The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 271 of the podcast, or you're joining live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Assuming we're not banned from Facebook this week. Today's Sunday, January 23rd, just one day removed from the first pay-per-view of 2022, which I'm sure all of you purchased legally. We had the heavyweight championship contested, Francis Ngannou defending his heavyweight championship belt against former training partner, Surreal Ghan. And we had a somewhat controversial decision in the co-main event between former champ Davison Figueiredo and defending champ Brandon Moreno. Before we get into any of that, I have to introduce my guest this week. Jeff DeAnimal Wilson, unfortunately, still on a professional hiatus. So I had to um, I had to dig pretty deep down my Rolodex and uh, and and cut and come up with a a suitable replacement. This man comes to us from uh, somewhere up north, I guess, like Bangor, maybe, because he asked me to introduce him as the main ingredient. Um, and he can't show his face because he works for a very prestigious importer exporter company. And, um, it would be too risky for him to show his face on the air because he has a a lot of employees who look up to him, I guess. Let me introduce all the way from up North, Mr. Arthur Vandalay, who goes by art for short. Art, how you feeling on this Sunday afternoon, my friend? Bill, I'm feeling fantastic. And if I sound like anybody you know, it's because I have a cold year round. <laughs> well, <laughs> I imagine it's pretty chilly up there in Maine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm closer to Vermont, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we got some good skiing up here. <laughs> there's um, There's some great beer up in Vermont as well the uh magic hat brewery the um switchback is up there i believe lots of good uh brews are are you a drinker art um no but um that's only because you know i'm an importer exporter of latex goods and bill i'm also an architect you know so um yeah i just uh i just completed my designs for a new wing that's going to be added to the guggenheim Okay, so so I gotta I gotta keep my wits about me. So no, I do not drink, Bill. I, I um I didn't know they were they were adding on to the Guggenheim. That's uh that's some breaking news here on MMA on the Rocks. We we, yeah, we cover all anybody. kinds of uh, worldly events. Don't tell anybody. Well, it's it, it's too late, Art. It's already worldwide. You just announced it here. This is the press release, I guess. Well, Art, you do uh. You do have a familiar sound to you, so um, hopefully the, the listeners will, will feel right at home by the uh, the sound of your uh, soothing voice there. It's good to have you on the show, my friend. 
Um, I I am a drinker, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to drink for the both of us. So cheers to you. I'm having a little uh, Maker's Mark and and cherry soda here. Nothing too nothing too fancy um, today. Just because I had to throw something together. It's it's a little early in the day for um you know the straight whiskey. You know usually record a little later at night and more appropriate all right we have a question from one of our uh, listeners who who comes to us from australia um <laughs> and he asks if you're also a, a marine biologist art um on the weekends on the weekends you know i uh i i got that degree as uh <laughs> as a um you know just because i had the time and uh bill it looks like we have a comment from your former co-host yeah um, and my question my answer to that is a question with to answer his question i have a question is bill who the fuck is that guy <laughs> well he doesn't matter anymore art <laughs> so let's just get that comment out of here um so art as i understand it you are an avid uh, ufc fan in addition to being an architect and importer exporter and and uh, i guess a marine biologist as well um so were you able to take in all of UFC 270 last night, which came to us from the Honda Center in Anaheim, California? Bill, you know I'm a busy guy, so unfortunately I only had time to catch the main card for last night. However, it, I thought it was a fantastic main card. I might have to go back and watch the prelims. Well, Art, I'm going to fill you in on the most important happening from UFC 270 and it was nothing that happened on the main card it was actually the very first fight of the prelims not the early prelims but the prelims and that is my friend Matt Steamroller Frivola coming up with a big first round knockout over Gennaro Valdez he actually knocked him out about six times <laughs> in this round Art um, so for anyone listening who missed the prelims, first of all, the prelims were better than all of the main card, in my opinion. Um, all the best fights were on the prelims. Uh, a, I think a bonus or two went to a few fighters on the prelims. Unfortunately, not to Matt Frivola, although I don't understand why. Maybe if the fight was stopped when it should have been and it was a KO instead of a TKO, uh, he would have gotten one of those bonuses. But unfortunately... I guess Gennaro Valdez owed uh, Mike Beltran money and Beltran wanted to see him get knocked out. Um, I have to wonder if, if based on this one fight, if there should be a rule similar to boxing where if there's three knockdowns in one round, like stop the fight. I, I think that's a fair rule in boxing, you know, except for the times when it's like a guy just kind of like quickly drops to a knee and stands right back up. But for the most part, if you're dropped more than three times in a round, like you shouldn't be allowed to continue. And, and Valdez credit to him that he's a tough son of a bitch. He was, he was dropped many times in this fight, kept getting up, kept fighting back. I mean, Frivola was exhausted from knocking this dude out so many times. Um, but I, I'm just so relieved and so happy uh, for my buddy, the steamroller, uh, you know, coming off of that, uh, of a tough 2021 um, and, and able to, to come back here 
and, and get this highlight win. And I need you guys to do me a favor and listen to the show. You need to follow the steamroller on Twitter because he's not very active on there, but we need to, we need to loop him into our, our MMA Twitter community here. Um, so it's, it's actually at Frivola Matthew and you can find him there as of last night, he had about 300 followers on Twitter. So do me, do me a solid and, and go on and follow, give the steamroller a follow. Um, let, let's build up his social media a little bit. He's such an exciting fighter and such a, such a great guy, like a really genuinely nice person. And you, you can't say that about a lot of people in this MMA space, but I'll say that about Matt Frivola. Um, so uh, again, I'm, I'm just so ecstatic for him. Uh, any reaction to that art? I know you're, uh, a longtime listener of the show. So you must, you must've heard of the steamroller. Yeah. Matt Frivola, I believe I've caught him on a couple of your episodes, Bill. And I am nothing short of pleased for Matt Frivola. I'm hoping that this is going to bump him up and in the future, he'll, we'll see him on the main card, but man, uh, I definitely have to go back and check this one out. It's it looks like it only went one round. So with my busy schedule, I think I can watch this on the go here. Yeah, it went about three minutes and 15 seconds, which is about two minutes and 15 seconds longer than it should have gone if if Mike Beltran was doing his job and actually cared about the well-being uh, of this fighter. Um, and, and when I say he was dropped more than three times, Art, it was, you know, he went down. Like, it, any one of those times uh, could have been a stoppage, and I don't think anybody would have been upset about it. Um you, you know, I, I hate seeing guys take so much unnecessary damage. Um, <clears throat> but in any case, congratulations and, and cheers to Matt Frivola. Um, it, it was the highlight of my night on this card for sure. Um, and unfortunately, he got looked over for a bonus because there was there were so many fantastic fights, n- not just on this card, but just on the prelims. Like pretty much every fight on the prelims uh, was awesome. Um with a lot of finishes, but I, I guess we can, uh, we can start at the top. Um, since I already got the most important part out of the way in, um, uh, Mr. Favola's big win, but, um, yeah, Art, let's talk about the, let's talk about the main event here before you and I have to have a disagreement about the co-main event. Uh, Francis Ngannou successful in defending his heavyweight championship comes away with a unanimous decision after, Probably losing the first two rounds, uh, coming into this fight with a completely torn MCL and, you know, wearing two knee braces, uh, coming in as not only the champion, but as the underdog and with a lot of additional pressure on him, you know, because he was having very public contract negotiations with the UFC. Uh, he was kind of being shit on by his, his former team, um, who, you know, currently coaches Cyril Ghan. Um, it not, not the most exciting heavyweight matchup we've seen or heavyweight championship fight we've seen. It was very tactical, very calculated on both of their parts. So we saw both guys pretty exhausted. We saw a very unusual strategy from Francis Ngannou, which was to utilize some wrestling, something we'd never thought we would see from him. Um, but give me your thoughts on this on this main event here, Art. Bill, you say unusual. I say innovative. 
all right because it was nothing short of creative to to add the wrestling i was very impressed with francis Ngannou, and bill i really thought this fight would go very differently i felt that cyril gan would use his grappling a little bit more than Ngannou, and i was just impressed with Ngannou. you know uh, he's working with Kamaru Usman. I'm sure many people saw him in in the champ's corner here. And I was just really impressed. Um, you know, we've never seen Cyril Gunn have to work off his back before. And in the fifth round, um, it seemed like Cyril Gunn was able to get on top. And he made the mistake of going for a leg lock, you know, from while he's on the top position. And I love what Nganu did. I was so impressed. He loaded him up on his own left knee and then with his right leg just swept him right from under him and get on top. Um, Bill, I'm really happy that Nganu has added or is adding a new dimension to his game because he's known for his power and maybe not having great cardio because it looked like he was breathing pretty heavy at the end of that second round. But man, I, for one, was very impressed with Francis Nganu. Um, I, I felt like he more than deserved that win. <clears throat> yeah, and and even after the big slam in the third round, which is the turning point for Nganu, he, it did seem like he was tired at that point already. I mean, it seemed like he was he was gassed after the first round, actually. So it seemed like Gan was either gonna coast to a decision victory after the second round, or you know, Nganu was gonna catch him with a big shot. I if I had to place a bet at that point in the fight, I would have bet on one of those two outcomes. I would not have bet in a million years that Nganu would come back to win a decision after losing the first two rounds, looking as tired as he looked. Um, and then the fact that not only did he look exhausted after those two rounds, but then he grappled for the last three rounds. Um, I, I thought Gan looked good at the beginning of the fifth. Um, and you know, he hit Nganu with that takedown, but yeah, going for that leg lock was the turning point. Um, you know, we know that Gan has a leg lock arsenal that he can execute. Uh, he's, he's got a win via heel hook in the UFC already. You know, he saw Nganu with the two knee braces on. And for those who are unaware, if you have a knee injury, uh, and, and you're, fighting under a commission that allows braces you got to put a brace on both legs because if you just put a brace on the injured knee then obviously your opponent is going to know which knee is hurt and they're going to target that so you know he figured he's got a 50 percent chance of of attacking the injured leg since obviously one of the legs is injured and um you, you know he thought he could pull it off and he he did he did have that heel hook in pretty deep but as we talked about many times on this show before, it, it's difficult to secure a heel hook with the MMA gloves. It just, you know, it they're they're kind of like bulky in the in the wrong spots for for securing a heel hook properly. So if you don't if you don't land like right in the exact position where kind of like the bulb of the back of the glove hooks the back of the Achilles just right. Um then then it's it's hard to finish and then you know obviously you run the risk of you know getting hit in the face while you're going for a leg lock um but yeah that was the turning point a lot of people criticized uh gone for going for that it was 
it was like a, a few years ago in the Super Bowl when when Russell Wilson tried to throw the ball throw the ball into the end zone uh, when he could have just had uh, Marshawn Lynch rush it in for the half a yard or whatever it was and you know that that was like the big mistake the turning point um, that was a turning point for God would you agree Art Yeah Bill and um, while I am not a fan of American football I have seen that highlight and I think that's a very good comparison here um, it felt like God maybe could have finished from the top there but um, Bill, I yeah, I I was just really impressed with Ngannou because even you know the attempts for the heel hook afterwards, Ngannou was doing the right thing. You know, he sat on the other foot, and if he had scooted his butt a little bit more to the left, he could have gotten on top even faster. Um, but yeah, good positional awareness from Ngannou, man. Um, you know, I think changing up the camp has really added a new dimension to his game, and to be to be uh, I wanted to agree with you on a paint, on a point you made before, where you said that in Gan that uh, Gan had won the first two rounds. I agree with you a hundred percent. I thought it was going to be Gan's fight to lose after that, and then in Ganu just completely changed the strategy mid fight. I thought it was genius. Really good work from his corner as well. Um, whatever he's working on, it's been working. I think he still has a very long way to go. But um, good for him. You know, he's increasing his fighter IQ as well. Um, the way that he fought Gan was the way that uh, Stipe should have fought him in their last fight is what I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it was a pretty dull fight for the most part, but the technical exchanges were really good. And it, it was interesting seeing the strategy of Nganu play out. Like he wasn't, he wasn't rushing in. I think he knew that if he did rush in, that Gon is a very good counter striker, and and Gon was even baiting him to rush in a lot, um, you know, by dropping his hands and and standing sideways. He was kind of baiting Nganu to come in, but you know, Nganu wasn't biting on any of those traps, uh, and and the fact that he was able to make the adjustments and and switch up to a more difficult game plan in in grappling after seemingly being exhausted after the first two rounds really shows the the heart of a champion. And let's not forget that he did all of this with a completely torn MCL that he tore about three weeks ago. And the guy still looks like this. Uh, it's, it's really incredible. Um, I've, I've torn my MCL art. Um, I actually did it, uh, a few weeks before my wedding, uh, to my, to my first wife. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, but that is an extraordinarily painful injury. Um, and basically what happens. So for those of you who aren't too familiar with biology. So if you have your knee, let's say it's my microphone here, you have a band that goes across diagonally this way, which is your ACL and another band that goes across uh, the other way, which is your MCL. So he kind of tore, I think he said he partially tore his ACL and completely tore his MCL. Um, So what that affects is your lateral movement. So moving straight forward and straight back is not a problem. But once you start going side to side and and cutting angles and stuff, which is important when fighting someone who has the footwork of a surreal gun and you rely on your explosiveness, uh, your explosiveness has to come from all different angles. If you're just fighting in a straight line, it's usually not effective. So the fact that Ngannou was able to win this fight 
without lateral movement <laughs> and without uh, the explosiveness in one of his knees uh, just makes it that much more spectacular. Um, and, and still an impressive performance from Surreal Gan. I think he still has a bright future uh, as a heavyweight. This is only his first loss, uh, and it was a decision loss, so it's not like the guy's ever been finished or embarrassed in MMA. Um, you know, he lost to the champ by one round, so he can take this and learn from it and, and come back better. Give me your thoughts on this, Art. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Huge credit to Francis Ngannou for fighting on one leg, essentially. And, you know, like you said, Cyril Gan, it's it's not like he got blown out of the water. You know, he definitely gave Ngannou a run for his money, especially in those first two rounds. And, you know, Cyril Gan, he's a very cerebral fighter. So I believe he's going to learn from this and, you know, go back to the drawing board and, and come back and be even scarier after this loss. You could say that any chance he had of winning the fight were gone when he went for that leg lock, could you? Yeah, I can't believe that, uh, you know, he was serial with that strategy. Yeah. Francis really camera ruined it. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Bill, Bill, you're known for having good names for the, for the episodes. I think, I think we just found the one. Uh, UFC 270, camera ruined. Uh, <laughs> I what I liked about Francis is he's got such a great sense of humor as well that's kind of understated because in the post-fight press conference um he was asked uh, or he was he was asked what he thought about being called the Khabib of the of the heavyweights and he just kind of chuckled and he said I'm the Usman of the heavyweights <laughs> <laughs> I love it I thought that was great uh question from one of the listeners for you, Art, do you give Nganu any chance against Tai Tuivasa? This comes from one of our listeners uh, down under. His name is, is Mark Fellow. So obviously this is his, his countryman he's talking about in Bam Bam Tuivasa. Bill, you know, you know, Mark, it's funny because I was thinking about the state of the heavyweight title picture uh, because, you know, we can't really put um, – Nganu in there with Stipe again. I think it's a little too soon for a trilogy, especially after knocking him out in their last fight. I was actually thinking that if Tai Tuivasa wins his next fight, which I can't remember his opponent off the top of my head, but I know it's going to be on, uh, well, I think, I believe the next pay per view card. Is this thinking... Derek Lewis? Is he fighting Derek Lewis, Mark? I, 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 I do know that Tuivasa does have a fight lined up. Yeah, it is Derek Lewis. Um, Oh, that would be a good you got to worry about that. Derek Lewis is the only man in UFC history with more knockouts than Ngannou at heavyweight. So um, that that's a fun fight. Derek Lewis and Tai Tuivasa, two fan favorites right there. Um, I'm I'm excited for that one. And that's assuming that Francis Ngannou stays with the UFC. So let's talk about mm. this art. Uh, so it's been very public that he's at the end of his contract and that he's not going to continue fighting um for the amount of money that he's making i read a statistic somewhere that the payout for the entire pay-per-view was 1.8 million dollars uh which is insane you would think the heavyweight champion of the world would be making that on his own but uh payout for the payout for the entire card was 1.8 million and I imagine that the, the heavyweights were the bulk of that, but still doesn't seem like a, a lot of money, which 
you know, kind of helps the argument that these fighters are underpaid here. But Art, if you were a gambling man, which I don't believe you are, because I know uh, you take your importing exporting very seriously, and you, and you you know you don't believe in in frivolous things like gambling. Um, but if you were a betting man, do you think we see Francis Ngannou back in the UFC after this defense of his championship? Bill, that's a very tough question. Um, I agree with you in what you said about the payout. It feels like uh, like for, uh, Ngannou should have gotten a million, you know, just for for uh, for his win last night. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's a tough call because I feel like Ngannou is a very smart guy. And he could probably make more money going to Bellator and having sponsors and, um, you know, being able to to represent multiple sponsors on his shorts and stuff. You know, he'd be able to do commercials, you know, with I, you know, I have never been a big fan of the way that the UFC has contracts starting with the Reebok deal I was a very very against that I felt like the fighters are losing out on a lot of money and I feel like Francis Ngannou is a big draw um, people like him not just as a fighter but as a person he seems like such a nice guy you know out of the octagon so I feel like um, if if he's gonna move now is the time to do it uh, so, you know right into the sunset with the heavyweight title still around your waist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he can kind of hold that over the UFC's head and kind of use that to promote himself in another, in another brand, you know, saying, you know, I never lost the UFC belt. I left before anybody could beat me. Um, I, I think it's a good selling point. So either one of two things is going to happen. Either he is going to leave and make more money at another company, or the UFC is going to be like, Hey, you know, we don't want you to leave. So maybe they can sweeten the pot a little bit. Yes, I I agree with a lot of what you just said, Art, but I need to play devil's advocate just a little bit because we have to forget that there's a billion-dollar corporation um, on the other side here, on the opposing side, um, as we've seen, you know, the, the back and forth. And it, for whatever reason, Dana White did not come into the octagon and put the belt on Francis, and Dana also did not appear at the post-fight press conference, which... I don't know the statistics, but I, I have to imagine he's never missed a post-fight press conference on a pay-per-view. I don't know if that's as long as he's been with the company. I don't know if that's accurate or not. So obviously there's some bad blood. Or you could assume there's some bad blood. Maybe something else happened. Maybe Dana had a personal emergency and, and I'm jumping to conclusions. Uh, I never want to assume because you can't spell assume without ASS art, as you well know. I know you're a good speller. Um but here's the other thing. So the UFC is going to come back and counter and say, well, it, remember, there was also a price increase with the pay-per-views um, uh, this year. So it went up to 75 bucks, I believe, 76 bucks. So with tax and everything, you're, you're looking at 80 something dollars you're paying for this pay-per-view. So a lot of people are seeing that and probably didn't click that buy button. I know a few people. uh uh, casual fans, you could say, that were interested in this fight and chose just not to watch it at all. Didn't get an illegal stream or anything, just, you know, not worth the money. So once the UFC is armed with those pay-per-view numbers, which I imagine are not going to be good, because I think 
the UFC is actually going to move away from the pay-per-view model. That's a discussion for another time. But the pay-per-view numbers are not going to be good. So he's not going to be able to make the argument to the UFC that he's a draw. Um, it was a lackluster performance. It, it was, you know, quite dull for a heavyweight fight. You know, very tactical, very technical. Um, but, you know, that doesn't put butts in seats. Uh, it was better than his fight with Derek Lewis, but um, still not the most exciting performance. So it all being armed with that information now, Art, to, how much do you think that hinders the negotiation of Francis Ngannou going forward after last night? Mm, you make some very good points, Bill. Maybe maybe Francis Ngannou can find some uh, some greener pastures. It you know it it might be in his best interest to maybe go out, you know, be a destroyer elsewhere, get some other press, and then circle back to the UFC later, and you know get get the money that he's looking for and, you know, get that top billing after he goes out and crushes some people. Cause let, let's face it anywhere in Ghana goes, like if he goes to Bellator, I don't know who the heavyweight champion is right now, but I know it was Ryan Bader. Could you imagine Ryan Bader against Nganu? That would be a massacre. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Bader's up there in years and he probably can't take a, a punch from Nganu. Like maybe he could have maybe, seven years ago but uh but yeah i think i think Nganu's power alone means he would clear out essentially any other um heavyweight division in another brand um i hope he doesn't go to boxing i don't i don't see him being a good boxer but um just because uh you know his cardio is not great but man um i i can't imagine what would he, I think he would leave the Bellator heavyweight division in ruins. You know, everybody in, in the heavyweight division in Bellator is either actually a light heavyweight, a middleweight, or over 40. So, <clears throat> yeah. Could you imagine Nganu against Fedor now? Yeah, no. That would be sad. That would be like watching your grandpa get beat up. Yeah, not not a not a fun day for anybody. Absolutely. Um, but I'll tell you if I wouldn't mind seeing is Nganu against Rumble Johnson over in Bellator. Oh, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. I don't even care if it's for a title or not. Um, so, yeah, there's that. There's, you know, we got. If he does come back, do you put him against the, the winner of uh, Tuivasa and Derek Lewis? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think Derek Lewis is going to be a good test for Tai Tuivasa. And Tuivasa, he's strung some really good performances together as of late. He's got some uh, big names, uh, you know, under his hat there. And, yeah, I think Tuivasa is a big draw. So, and I think uh, I think that Francis Ngannou is game to fight anywhere. So, it, you know, it, that that's definitely a really fun fight. Uh -huh. You know, of course, there's a lot of moving parts here because uh, Derek Lewis is no walk in the park either. But uh, I think that could be an awesome fight. For sure. Uh, Mark Fellows wants to see uh, Francis versus John Jones. Um, I, I don't see that happening because neither Francis nor John Jones are on good terms with the UFC. So I don't think the UFC wants to negotiate with both of those guys and give them both more money when 
they're not happy with either of them, but um, you know, in theory, it's a fun fight. I think the UFC is going to keep John Jones on the sidelines to continue punishing him for his extracurricular activities. That's my own personal theory. Um, and, and John Jones seems to have been radio silent after this. I, I didn't hear or see anything that he said about this fight. Did you, Art? Uh, no. Uh, it's been radio silence from John Jones. And I think, Bill, you know, I, I like to, to assume that Dana White, you know, doesn't didn't mean to not be there. But at the same time, Bill, Dana White, you know, I, I'd say we know about 90% of what he's thinking all the time. You know, he doesn't, uh, he, he does, uh, he does not mince words here. Yeah, that's true. Like if <clears throat> we'll probably hear from Dana and be like, yeah, I didn't put the belt on Francis cause I don't like him yeah. or, <laughs> or he'll say, you know, he had like a family emergency or something and he had to leave. Um, I didn't even notice it. I saw, I saw somebody else tweeting about the fact that Dana wasn't at the press conference and, I used to stay up and watch him, uh, Art, but, you know, with the past few weeks off, you know, except for last weekend, but the, the three weeks before that off from UFC, I've been going to bed earlier on the weekends. So this was, uh, this one was going till past 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So as soon as uh, Ngannou's hand was raised, I pretty much shut the TV and and was out cold. Um yeah, but um, Art, why don't you give me your uh, encompassing thoughts on on this main event and and anything you'd like to see next for both of these guys? And I'm gonna grab myself another drink to prepare for the debate we're about to have about the co-main event. All right, Bill. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. So i I thought that the main card was pretty solid. Um, main event. I felt like it could have left a little bit to be desired, but it was not as bad as Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. Um, it seemed like Cyril Gan. The first two rounds were a little bit dull, but that's kind of Cyril Gan's game plan. All right, he's not there to win pretty. He's there to win. Uh, and Ngannou, I felt like he did a fantastic job changing up the strategy. Um, I can't wait to see what's next for Ngannou. As for Cyril Gan, um. It's it's hard to say what's next for him because he took out some big names. He beat uh, Junior Dos Santos, Derek Lewis. You know, he kind of beat the top five guys already. Rosenstrike. So, yeah. Um, wait, uh, are you saying that he beat Rosenstrike? Or, or uh, are you asking if... Uh, yeah. Didn't he beat Rosenstrike? I cannot remember. Um, but, Bill, I would like to see Cyril Gan against maybe Stipe Miasic if he Yeah, it looks like he did beat Rosenstrike. Yeah, beat Rosenstrike in February last year. Yeah, so maybe give him Stipe Miasic if he, you know, if Stipe agrees to that fight. If Stipe um, hasn't retired. I heard a rumor that Stipe retired cuz he was just sick of waiting. Oh, wow. Um I certainly hope that's not the case, man. He's uh, he's one of my favorite heavyweights to watch. Uh, he's another, you know, he's just good at everything. He's very cerebral. So I think that'd be a great matchup for Cyril God, you know, if he ha if he's not gone already. Well, 
we we saw um Gon's weakness for wrestling now. I mean, he got taken down four times by Francis and Gano. So if Gano could do that, Stipe could take him down at will. <laughs> yeah. Um Mark tells us that Jones said he would destroy both Francis and Gon, which is kind of hard to believe. It's been a long time since John Jones has destroyed anyone he wasn't married to. Um <laughs> Oh man! So, <laughs> oh man! Uh, yeah, I, he threw it up to you, and you just spiked it right into the ground. <laughs> I just wanted to go ahead and uh, and and shoot that down right away because I don't think he destroys either of these guys. Um, and you know, I have to maintain giving him the award of the the John Jones piece of shit of the year award. Um, all right, Art. I know from. You know, talking to, I think I was talking to your secretary or someone. We were setting this, uh, we were setting this interview up today, and uh, I, I heard your take on the co-main event, and I have a slightly different one. So let's get into it here. Brandon Moreno uh, puts his flyweight title on the line against former champ Davidson Figueredo. So this was the third fight between these two. Everybody knows the history. First fight was a draw only because Figueredo was deducted a point. Otherwise, he would have retained the title, and we wouldn't even be having this conversation now. Second fight, Brandon Moreno blows Figueredo out of the water, submits him. Third fight, very closely contested. Who do you think won, Art? Bill, Brandon Moreno was robbed yesterday. All right? He needs to call the police and file a police report because – the judges stole his title from him. Okay. Listen, there were a lot of knockdowns and, you know, Moreno got dropped a few times, but I would say he only got dropped in two rounds. I, I, I believe that Figueredo in my eyes, I saw that Figueredo won rounds three and four. I gave them to him. Uh, but for me, Brandon Moreno won rounds one and two and five as well, especially with that blitz at the end. Uh, I just, and you know, Figueredo, um, landed a couple of takedowns. Moreno took him down in the fifth round. And to me, it just felt like he didn't like Figueredo did not do enough to take the belt off of Moreno. So I don't know why we're even mm -hmm. having this conversation. <laughs> well, it, it was, it was very close. And I, I actually scored the rounds differently. I gave, I think it was, so first of all, I scored the fight for Moreno. I thought Moreno did win the fight, but where, where I disagree with you is that it was a robbery because I think Figueredo did enough to win the fight, especially going back and looking at the statistics. So I, I think I gave three and five to Figueredo and I gave one, two, and four to Moreno. But the more memorable things that happened in the fight, you know, as I look back on it, were the knockdowns. The calf kick knockdown in the third round. Um, and then the, the several times, I think it was three knockdowns with punches. Um, and, and then at the end of the fight, uh, Figueredo just looked like the fresher fighter to me. Moreno looked like he was... A little worse for wear. So while I did score the first round for Moreno, I, it was close. I wanted to go back and look at it. 
And um, I'm going to share these statistics here with you, Art. And this comes from MMA by the Numbers on Instagram, which is an account I, fo I follow. And they, they actually provide a lot of really fun statistics for, for most of the cards. In the buildup, um, you know, talking about different fighter stats uh, for fighters that are coming up and and also post-fight. So um, when I look back at um, at that first round, I could see why it would be scored for Figueredo looking back on it because he landed more significant strikes. You could see 15 to 10 there. And he did have that one takedown, even though it was brief, uh, in that first round. And then you look at the following rounds. Uh, Moreno won the second with the significant strikes. The third round... Moreno had more significant strikes, but Figueredo had two knockdowns and one takedown in that fight. Uh, one of the knockdowns coming from the calf kicks, I believe, uh, was in that third round. And then he had the takedown right at the end of the round. Um, the fourth round, Moreno outstruck Figueredo again. Uh, and then in the fifth round, uh, it was really close. Moreno had the takedown, but Figueredo had a knockdown. So it's kind of like what you weigh more. So then if you looking back on these statistics, you could argue Figueredo won rounds one, three and five, uh, you know, depending on what you weigh more, do you weigh the knockdowns more than the volume of significant strikes or do you weigh the significant strikes more? Um, and it also depends on, you know, your emotions, who you were rooting for. Um, so I could see why a lot of people were upset that Moreno didn't get the decision, but when you really kind of analyze the data and what happened in the fight and who took more damage, it kind of makes sense. And, and there you can see Dana White putting the belt on, on Figueredo very happily. Um, so I guess Dana was in attendance and he just chose not to do this for the heavyweight fight, but, um, that's neither here nor there. So uh have you changed your tune at all here art all right bill maybe it wasn't a robbery okay looking at the statistics but i felt like the output for moreno was a little bit more significant and while he did take some damage i just felt like figueredo just did not do enough to to merit the belt changing hands um but i mean you know, the trilogy is tied at this point, and there's never been a fourth, uh, rem uh, th I'm sorry, a third rematch in the UFC, which um, I thought that Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard would be the first one since they're, they have the same record, one tie and then one win for each. Um, um, no, didn't Frankie win the second two fights? No, I believe one of them was a draw. Uh, yeah, one was a draw, and then Frankie won twice. Didn't he? Nope. Uh, I'm pretty sure Gray Maynard won the first time they fought, and it was really close. And then the second time they fought, it was a draw. And then the third one, Frankie uh, won that one after almost getting knocked out like twice. I'm going to have to. Okay, so yeah, Maynard won the second fight. You're right. But then Edgar knocked him out in the third fight, right? Uh, He might. He may have. May have. Um, but yeah, I just remember, uh, I, I remember that one pretty clearly because this trilogy reminded me of that, but Bill, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm going to go 
I'm going to go off topic for just a second here, Bill. But, Bill, the flyweight division sucks, man. Um, <laughs> Bill, the last three title fights, I've had the same two guys in them. All right? Um, and listen, don't get me wrong. The draw was amazing. I felt like a rematch was merited after that. But then Brandon Moreno won in a very significant way. He submitted Davison Figueredo. He finished him. All right? So I don't know why there there was the rubber match was so quick to follow the set the the first rematch um you know it just shows how empty this division is there's nobody else to fight for this belt the next title felt title fight is probably going to be figueredo versus moreno again and bill i think the whole division should just be dissolved and all the flyweights can move up to bantamweight and if not they can join mighty mouse in you know whatever part of japan he's in I think he's in Singapore with the one championship. I, I, I would like to see Mighty Mouse against Figueredo. That would be a fun fight. Um, but you know that that's probably never going to happen. Um, credit credit to Figueredo, man. He came back in here with a good game plan. He's got a new team around him at at Henry Cejudo's gym. But yeah, I'm with you. I I had even made this point on the show last week, Art. I don't know if you tuned in or not, but um, I said it's actually a best case scenario for Moreno to lose this fight because if he won, there's no marquee fight for him. There's nobody that he can headline a pay-per-view against. But now Figueredo even did the marketing for everybody, suggesting the fourth fight be in Mexico, where obviously Moreno would be a huge favorite there. Um, I mean, he was he was a big crowd favorite in California. So when they actually do it in Mexico, it's going to be humongous. And he can actually headline a pay-per-view, get the pay-per-view points, make one of the bigger paydays of his career. If he had won this fight, that's kind of it. Like he climbed the mountain and the next fight would, you know, they would probably stick it on a card with two other title fights just to have it on there. And he would be fighting like beneath the middleweight championship, beneath the women's straw weight and, and whatever else it would be Brandon Moreno versus some guy. Um, mm. But this is, this is a better case scenario for him. I would argue. Yeah. Bill, when you put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Losing his belt is probably the best thing that happened to him. Um, and, and like you said, I, I, I did like Figueredo's, uh interview at the end there. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I like it. Uh, like you said, uh, he can get a whole country behind him. You know, uh, you, you know, Mexicans are are big fans of their soccer players and their boxers. And uh, I'm sure they're a huge fan of Moreno as well. Um, like you said, the, the crowd yesterday was chan- was chanting, yes, you can in Spanish and let's go, Brandon, but in a positive way. So um, where are they now? <laughs> I mean, at least I certainly hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, Art? (laughs) Oh, man. uh, Either way, I'm cool with it. Yeah, yeah, it was was awesome. It was awesome. Um, But, yeah, dude, um, you know, uh, it's just I, I like both of these fighters. What I can't stand is the plateau of the flyweight division because after these two guys the whole division kind of falls off bill aside from anthony pettis brother 
I can't name any flyweights. And Little Pettis doesn't even fight in the UFC anymore. Yeah, well, there's uh, um, Kai Kara France is a flyweight, isn't he? Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> uh and then we have there's a there's a magamed magam magam muffin or something that's a, <laughs> a flyweight one of those one of those uh scary russian grapplers is is lurking in that flyweight division as well so uh, i don't know if the ufc wants to unleash that dude yet or not uh unless i just completely made that up but um let, let's move on art because we we still We've spent almost an hour talking about just the first uh, two fights. And, of course, uh, the only fight on the card that really mattered, uh, Matt Favola uh, getting that first-round knockout. Oh, Askarov. That's that's the guy. Ask about Askarov, I think his name is. Yeah, so probably the winner of, of Kai Kara France and Askarov will be next. But, yeah. yeah I don't see either dudes... of those guys beating Figueredo, though. Or Moreno depends who's the champion after Mexico. Um, if the UFC really wanted to fuck around, they would give one of those guys a title shot over Moreno, even though they have the built-in marketing. Because who knows when they're going back to Mexico? The UFC is like, oh, that's a great idea. We're going back to Mexico in two years. We'll do it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for building that. We'll save this clip. We'll file it under use two years from now. And uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, it, it might be tentative after uh, after Cain Velasquez headlined in Mexico and got tapped out by a Brazilian as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Sea Level Cain was born. No, Sea Level Cain died that day, man. Oh yeah. Well, was... that wasn't that wasn't Sea Level Cain. That was yeah, that was that was mountainous Cain. <laughs> who has no cardio which <laughs> mountainous cane sounds more intimidating but sea level cane is actually the one you have to worry about <laughs> <laughs> all right let's let's get get uh, through some of the rest of this car michelle Pereira, a uh, unanimous decision over uh the portuguese newcomer andre fialo who his most notable win was knocking out james vick which the UFC was very happy to show over and over and over again before this fight. They were like, <laughs> I was like, oh, who is this guy? And the UFC is like, he knocked out James Vick. And then here's another clip of him knocking out James Vick. And here's another angle of him knocking out James Vick. <laughs> um, uh, and that's okay because, you know, James Vick supports rapists. So we don't care about seeing him knocked out. Um, in any case, uh, Fiala looked good in the first round, but then, uh, you know, Pereira was able to take over. And this was a, this was a match between the guy who does too much versus the guy who does too little. So Pereira is all over the place. He's throwing moves that aren't even fight moves. They're like gymnastics. You know, he's doing like front flips and back handsprings and like all things that I can't even moves I can't even name. I've been in combat sports for over 20 years, and I didn't know what the fuck this guy was doing. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have Fialo, who's basically just a Portuguese boxer who's who's doing MMA. And he hits really hard, but um, you know he wasn't able to put Pereira away. So Pereira came back one rounds, two and three, comes away with the decision. What did you think, Art? 
Yeah, Bill. Um, I think that was an accurate description of the fight, man. Fialio, he looked good. You know, he had Pereira pretty lit up after that first round. And then Pereira kind of went back to basics for a little bit. It looked like the shots going right down the line, you know, the one-twos, the fundamentals were working, all right? It was when he started going for that flashy stuff that he let Fialio back into the fight a little bit. But, um, yeah, that second and third round were all Pereira. Um, I don't think that Fialio was was ready for uh, for such a big name in the UFC. So, you know, he did look good. In that first round, I'd like to see him maybe take a step down in UFC competition here. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and Perea, you know, he was impressive. I, I would like to see a little less of the flashy stuff and you know, possibly even move up a weight class. Um, he's a big dude. Um, so, I, and then... It was interesting seeing a Portuguese fighter in the in the UFC. That's not something we're used to seeing, um, and, and and making his UFC debut against a Brazilian. So for those who don't know, there's a little tension between the Portuguese and, and the the Brazilians. They share a common language that's you know spoken a little bit differently. You know, it's like you know the Spanish you learn in school versus Dominican Spanish. I don't know if that's a fair comparison. What do you think, Art? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a very fair comparison. Uh, very, very different cultures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was it was good to see a, a mutual show of respect uh, at the end of that between the Portuguese and the and the Brazilian. Um, Saeed Nurmagomedov, no relation to Khabib, is is all it says under his personal life tab on Wikipedia. <laughs> um that's that's you could look that up it actually says no relation to habib Nurmagomedov. um submits cody stamen in in nasty fashion so he was whipping up cody stamen on the feet hitting him with with shots from from every angle it was it was like uh in the movie rush hour when chris tucker is like which one of y'all kick me that's what this fight reminded me of. And then Cody Stamen goes in for the takedown, gets caught in a guillotine, and Saeed Nurmagomedov flips him over like like he was holding on to that guillotine while they were in a washing machine uh, and then finishes it off with the with the high elbow guillotine. It was it was a a very sick performance by Nurmagomedov. Very very impressive. Uh, got him a fight at a, a performance of the night bonus. Give me your thoughts, Art. Bill, um, that was scary because Cody Stamen is a really solid fighter, really good base. Um, and Stamen, you know, he's 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 quickly becoming a staple in the bantamweight division. All right, um, you know, he's put on some good performances. He's kind of got his name out there. But, um, yeah, Saidner Magomedov made him look like a chump, man. Um, that that was really scary. Um, mm-hmm. I'm scared for whoever has to step into that octagon next with Nurmagomedov because he cinched on that guillotine so fast, Bill, and you could tell it was tight, man. Uh, like, as soon as they hit the ground, Stamen had his hand reaching, reaching to tap. Um, so, you know, this kid's got a tight squeeze. Um, Man, 
uh i i uh, you know i'd be on i'd i'd be on the lookout if i was a band and weight right now in the ufc yeah and and i believe he's still unranked so you know good luck finding this guy an opponent hey if sean o'malley's still looking to fight unranked guys let's get him in there with saeed nurmagomedov i i'd like to see that fight what do you think art I think that's a long day for for um for Sean O'Malley, but I'm also not a fan of Sean O'Malley. I I think I think it it would be a pretty short day. I think Saeed would make pretty quick work of him. Um Yeah, so let's move on down the line. So Michael Morales uh first round TKO over Trevin Giles. This was an exciting fight, Art. Um, if this was on a fight night and this was on the main card and there was a lot of decisions, this would be a fight of the night um, in, in my book because this was so back and forth. Both of these guys were rocked at one point or another and uh, Morales coming away uh, with the TKO victory. I, I got to criticize Mike Beltran again here because Giles was down. Beltran stopped the fight, which I thought was a good stoppage, but then he grabbed Trevin Giles and wrapped him up in like this weird body lock and then grabbed the fence on the other side of him so that he couldn't get away. And it was like, I don't think Trevin Giles, to my knowledge, has any history of poor sportsmanship or anything. But the dude just got knocked out. I don't think there was any reason to smother him against the cage like that. Like, I don't know if if Mike Beltran was just trying to make up for his shitty refereeing earlier in the night or if he was just trying to like alpha the dude but i thought it was quite inappropriate on his part did you catch this art um bill i'll be honest with you it looked to me uh maybe i have to watch it again but it looked to me like trevin giles was uh, you know trying to like grapple with mike beltran there so um you know, it looked like he might have been like going for a takedown or something. So I think he was just trying to restrain Trevin Giles mm-hmm. while his like wits came back to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. That's kind of what it looked like to me. But again, uh, you know, maybe maybe you saw a little differently. But Bill, um, aside from that, Bill, I thought Trevin Giles went about this all wrong, dude. Um, you know, it was working for him when he was on the feet and then he went for the grappling and, you know, I guess he was trying to show that another dimension to his game, like Nganu did, but mm-hmm. Bill, it did not work like at all, man. As soon as they hit the ground, Michael Morales was like, nope, I'm getting out of this one. They got up and just l- started lacing him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it looked like Trevin Giles actually had Mike Morales rocked at one point. And I felt like, dude, what are you doing going for the grappling? Keep hitting this guy in the face. That was working. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Good performance by Morales, who I think is only 22 years old. Uh, So bright future ahead of him for sure. Um, Let's move on to probably the, the biggest upset on the card. Victor Henry coming in on a few days notice and just whipping up on Hani Barso- uh, Barcelos. Um, so Victor Henry was not supposed to win this fight. He was the biggest underdog on the card uh, as far as the betting odds go. He was coming in on very short notice to fight a guy who I believe is in the top 15 or just outside of the top 15 in Barcelos. And, um, you know, it was a close fight. 
in the first round. And then all of a sudden, Victor Henry just started slowly running away with it. Um, and, and Henry, uh, trained by the, the legendary Josh Barnett, one of my personal favorite fighters of all time, uh, who I met in a airport at the Tokyo airport and, and talked uh, Japanese whiskey with many, many moons ago. Um, but that, that's a story for another time. So uh, what did you think of uh, Victor Henry's um, debut here? Bill, unfortunately, I missed it, but I am going to have to go back and check it out. But good win for him, man. Uh, you know, Ronnie Barcelos, tough customer there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess I'll walk you through the uh, the rest of the card here. At our buddy Henzo Altuna from the MMA Fini podcast. If you guys want some excellent MMA content in Espanol, uh, please do check out my buddy Henzo coming to us all the way from Peru. We got the whole globe on here today, Art. We got you up in Maine. We got Mark in Australia. We got Henzo in Peru. We we got uh, you know I'm here in Florida, the the center of the universe. Um, we, we got the whole map covered. Um, all right. I will walk you through the rest of this, uh, card. Jack Della Maddalena, this dude, um, also deserving of a bonus. In, in my opinion, I would be like Oprah on this card. You get a bonus and you get a bonus, and, <laughs> but I'm not the one writing the checks. I don't, I don't have that kind of cash on hand. So Maddalena, uh, fighting a short notice opponent when he got on the airplane to come to California, he did not know who he was going to fight. Did not care. He's like, I'm showing up. Just put somebody in front of me. They find Pete Rodriguez, you know, say what you will about Pete Rodriguez. He showed up, uh, you know, knowing that he was probably going to lose to this guy. Um, the precision of Madalena striking is something to behold art. Um, I highly recommend going back, watching this fight. Uh, this dude is legit. His, his striking is just so laser focused. Even at the end of the fight, when he dropped Rodriguez, he picked his shots and, and just did not miss. Like every shot was right on the mark landed. I think two shots once the fight hit the ground and then, uh, referee Frank Trigg, former UFC welterweight, Frank Trigg, um, had to step in and, and save Pete Rodriguez, but. Very impressive performance by Madalena. And uh, I'll just go over the rest of this. Uh, Tony Gravely, which Bruce Buffer says Gravely. The, the broadcasters were saying Gravely. To me, it's it's spelled Gravely, so I'm going to go with that. Um, unanimous decision over Simon Oliveira. Uh, this came down to the wrestling of Gravely, uh, which was just spectacular just kept going to the ground over and over again set a personal best for takedowns in a fight we already talked about the steamroller matt frivola but we can't give that dude enough shine knocked out Gennaro valdez seven times within three minutes um and and was finally stopped on the seventh knockout by mel uh by uh mike beltran then we have um vanessa demopoulos who won the other performance of the night bonus after submitting silvana gomez juarez um, so Demopolis was knocked basically unconscious by Juarez in one of the first striking exchanges of the fight. Juarez swarms on her to finish, gets caught in a shoulder jump arm bar, which was transitioned into a, a traditional arm bar where Demopolis 
kind of swept her over and then uh, finished the arm bar, which was kind of like a combination arm bar shoulder lock, if you ask me. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's billed as a, as an arm bar. So we'll call it an arm bar. Uh, then she jumped into Joe Rogan's arms. Uh, like she just won the bachelorette and, um, it finished the post fight interview in Joe Rogan's arms. And then he kind of turned around and handed her back to her corner. Uh, Demopolis, by the way, announced that she quit being an exotic dancer eight weeks ago and decided to fully commit to her mixed martial arts career. Now she's got an extra 50 grand in her pocket. Uh, I assume she wasn't making those kinds of tips as a pole dancer. So uh, that's good news uh, for Demopolis. She, she actually said that uh, dancing on the pole helped her Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which I believe you kind of need that, you know, the kind of hip pivoting strength that I guess you develop on a stripper pole to, uh, you know, swing into those arm bar setups. So obviously it paid off. So those of you looking to improve, your arm bars, go find yourself like a playground or a stripper pole um, and, and start maneuvering on it. So um, then we had uh, Jasmine Juzia DeVicious uh, with the unanimous decision over Kay Hansen. This was a pretty one-sided beating. Uh, so, Art, did I pique your interest on anything of these prelims here? Yeah, dude, I definitely want to check out, obviously, the Frivola fight and then uh, the Jack Della uh, Madalena fight as well. Um, Bill, I think Vanessa Demopoulos has a really good strategy uh, for making money. Um, you know, first be a stripper to fund your MMA training, then get your name out there as an MMA fighter and then start an OnlyFans. It's genius. Yeah, I mean... It, it seems to be the trend. I mean, Kay Hansen, who I just mentioned, is uh, also on OnlyFans. It seems to be. Um, but after her performance last night, I think she was passed by Jessica I for the the UFC fighter with the most subscribers on OnlyFans. I think she got a lot of people unsubscribed um, after that performance last night. But yeah, Demopolis, you know, yeah. You got to give it to her. She knows how to market herself. After jumping in Joe Rogan's arms, she got herself an extra like 20,000 Instagram followers or, or something in that ballpark. Um, so good yeah. for her. Poor Joe Rogan. I would take a shower after that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure he did. He's a very clean guy. Keeps. Uh, he probably took a few ivermectin after that. He, too. he probably needed them. <laughs> he was he was turned off his microphone like somebody get me my monoclonal antibodies <laughs> I, need to take, I need to boost my immune system right now um so yeah that was uh ufc 270 what a card um I, I i maintain that the prelims were much more exciting than than most of the main card uh figueredo and moreno got uh performance of the, i mean uh fight of the night Saeed Nurmagomedov and Demopolis got performance of the night. Um, I would take away any of those and, and give all four bonuses to Matt Frivola if it were up to me, but it's not. Um, I'm biased, so it's probably best that I'm not in control, but uh, that doesn't change my opinion, Art. So uh, any uh, all-encompassing thoughts on uh, on this card, my friend? Bill, I think that the UFC had a really good start to the pay-per-view year 
in the calendar here. Um, and I can't wait for the next one. You know, uh, the next pay-per-view is going to be <clears throat> Ezra Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker 2, Whitaker's Revenge. So uh, that'll be good. And Bill uh, Hermanson versus Strickland, the, the next uh, fight card we have, which is not going to be next weekend, Bill. It's the following weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we don't have to take time uh, diving deep into this card. We can we can get more into it next week. But I just wanted to take a look at this. So we don't have another card until February, which it's, it's kind of nice having a, another week off. Yeah. Like I said last week, I almost feel guilty saying this sort of stuff but you know i i like having a reasonable bedtime at this uh at this stage of my life um so there we have it jack hermanson sean strickland i'm i'm really looking forward to that fight yeah the um the rest of the card falls flat for me but uh i haven't after you know after a week without uh without fights i i think i'll be able to get a little more hyped up for it and do a little bo- uh, more research we got sam alvey on this card I, I all due respect i can't understand why this guy still has a ufc contract he hasn't won a fight since 2018 he's lost six of his last seven and the only one he didn't lose was a draw um like there there are guys who have been cut for way less so i don't know if he like he's got some dirt on ufc brass or or what, but, and I, and I like Sam Alvey. I'm a fan. I like seeing him on a card, but it, you know, fair is fair. Like there, there are fighters who have been cut with, with way better records. Um, yeah, but, uh, I think the UFC needs someone to feed to Phil Hawes here after that last loss. I think mm. Phil Hawes needs it. Uh, cause Phil Hawes, um, uh, Bill is, I believe he's, uh, he's out of, uh, Jeff, the animal Wilson's town there. I think he fights out of North Bergen. Um, Is that where the animal's from? I forgot. I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah, he's from North something <laughs> or other. But uh, but yeah, man. Uh, Bill, as 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 a uh, as someone who enjoys the underdogs, I am excited to see Phil Hawes knock out Sam Alvey. Not that I have anything against Sam Alvey. I just like Phil Hawes. You think Phil Hawes is the underdog against Sam Alvey, who hasn't won a fight in three years? Oh, is that is yeah? I guess he's not the underdog. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I I don't I don't look at betting odds, and I don't know much about them. That's why I don't give you guys predictions. But I I like this main event a lot. I think this is going to be a fun fight. Obviously, this is a photo of uh, Sean Strickland when he was still at one seventy, which yeah was, was not say. a healthy looking cut for him. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, why does he look like Skeletor? This was the last time he had abs. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I so far I think the fight I'm really excited about is Hermanson versus Sean Strickland. Two really good fighters, two very good grapplers. That's going to be a fun, fun fight. Yeah, uh, Hermanson was a guy who was taking the division by storm for a while, and then had you know a couple of rough losses. Um, so it you know it'll be interesting to see if he can bounce back or ah whatever. We can talk about it next week. Yeah, Bill, but uh. Yeah, unfortunately, my uh, my secretary here is letting me know that uh, Tom Brady, the invincible Tom Brady, and uh, your your local football team, Bill, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which are attack, attached to your bucking head there, 
um, <laughs> are uh, are uh, are going to take on the um, what's the name of this American football team here? Um, I believe it's the Rams. Yeah, the the St. Louis Rams there, or formerly of St. Louis, now in uh, Los Angeles, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Bill, unfortunately, that's all I got for you today. All right. Well, I guess one last thing. We got to wish our buddy Mark Fellows a very happy 30th birthday. Happy birthday, Mark, from all the way across the globe. 30 years young. Uh, we we will uh, we'll raise a drink in your honor. I'm going to pour myself some of my Ella's hooch right here that I've been sipping on. This is a... Uh, a rye whiskey that's uh, Solera aged locally here in Tampa. So we'll we'll drink to the Buccaneers and to Mark's birthday. Happy birthday, Mark! Hopefully, Tom Brady can get a win for you. Cheers to you, sir. Um, Mark may not even know who Tom Brady is. Oh, he's actually forty-eight. I was only eighteen years off. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's close enough. Yeah, it's closer than I am on most things. So, uh, <laughs> well, cheers to you, sir. Happy birthday. Uh, I hope you enjoy it in good company. Have some good Korean barbecue and, and, a, and a few brews, which I'm sure are on the menu. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, I should tell you, Art, I did come down with uh, the COVID-19 or, or 20 or 21, whatever one is out right now. I think it's covid light. Whatever it is. I got it last week. Um, All right, I, Bill. I need a damage report here. Yeah. Um, so I had a fever for about 24 hours. And then after that, felt a little groggy, a little brain fog. Uh, nothing a little whiskey couldn't help. Um, but yeah, overall, I just feel like I got eliminated from the biggest worldwide game of dodgeball ever. Because I avoided this thing for two years. And then I come down with it. And then I just it it wasn't so much the illness as much as the disappointment of of not being in that club of people who hadn't gotten it anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, Bill, you know, a couple of us here at the firm uh, have gotten it. I have been lucky enough to uh, to not have been touched by that stuff. But uh, but Bill, I'm glad you're doing better. Uh, I hope Claudia and the baby girl are doing well. Because, um, you know, I know uh, Ariano's immune system might not be uh, fully developed yet. But, um, Bill, I'm glad that uh, that the worst of it is over. Looks like you did to COVID-19 what Max Holloway did to Calvin Cater last year. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I think, I think now that I've gotten it, we can say that it's over. Yeah, I mean... Um, the flyweight division, Brandon Moreno and Davidson Figueredo started and finished their trilogy before this pandemic ended. That's true. Uh, just, just to show how much the flyweight division sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and COVID sucks too. And it, it, it's unfortunate that it, it hit a lot of people so hard. I hope everybody's still staying safe out there, but um, let, let's just decide as a human race that, that this thing's done. Like, let's just, let's stick a fork in it. Let's stop covering it in the nose. Let's stop talking about it. Let's, 
you know, let's get on with it. Let's let let's move on to bigger and better things. Yeah, and double for the flyweight division. Yeah, you're you're in the importing exporting business art. Let's uh let's export COVID and uh, let's export the flyweight division and and get on with, you know, let's import something new. I'm all for it, Bill. Well, folks, uh, you heard from myself and um, Art Vandelay, architect, marine biologist, importer, exporter. You can't find him on social media because he's not on there. He's too busy running all his businesses. But but Art, thank you for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to come hang out with us here on MMA on the Rocks this afternoon. All right, apparently Art already left. Um, speaking of MMA on the Rocks, you can find our merchandise through our friends at Team Reaper. Reaper1.co is the website. You can use the promo code MMARocks10. Save yourself 10% on your entire order. As always, I'll put the links in the show notes. You can get yourself an over-the-top, under-the-influence T-shirt, tank top, or hoodie. I still don't have one of those hoodies. I got I to gotta order one of those myself. Use my own promo code. Uh, in any case... Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. That's all we got. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.